We all know what it means to live with anticipation and expectation. With Cyclone Jasper just this week, we know that as people, we were eagerly waiting and expecting shops being bought out of essentials. It was like a flashback to COVID where toilet paper shelves were totally empty. All loose items were being put away and things were tied down outside. People sandbagging, moving furniture, being prepared, get ready was the message that was broadcast this week that was shared expectation and anticipation but like with all cyclones it's a little bit unpredictable when will a cross land what's the wind intensity going to be like how much rain will we receive how much damage is this going to cause is the tracking map even accurate so I actually missed all of the action this week I flew down on Saturday afternoon to Brisbane because I was preaching at Kenmore Church of Christ and stayed down in Kenmore for a couple of early early week meetings at Kenmore for my Church of the Christ role. And that meant that I was booked to fly home on Wednesday at 11 a.m., right when the cyclone was originally intended to cross land. So as you can imagine, my flight was cancelled. So I had even more expectation and anticipation. When am I going to get home? I had two flights cancelled and one rescheduled before I made it home on Thursday morning. But I was waiting in anticipation and excitement with all of you tracking the cyclone, watching the wind fall, seeing how much rain was falling down. Where was it going to cross? The anticipation and expectation we felt this week was really real. And now with the flooding, the expectation and looking, seeing what is going to happen. But as we look into the Christmas story this morning, it's also full of anticipation and expectation. But unlike a cyclone, the Christmas story isn't entirely unpredictable. It wasn't completely unknown because God had told his people that the Messiah was coming. So right from the start of Genesis, there are hints, there are prophecies, there are promises about Jesus. And from this example, when we see the patriarch Jacob blessing one of his sons from when before he died, he said to his son in Genesis chapter 49, he said this, Genesis 49.10, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler start from his descendants, until the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honour. So this scepter that is talked about is talking about a rod and a staff, and this scepter was a sign of authority, and it's used throughout the whole entire Old Testament as a symbol of God's authority. And add to that another prophecy in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, spoken by a really complicated person named Balaam that says, Numbers 24 verse 7, I see him, but not hearing now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. So the Israelite people were waiting for this person to come. Now we felt like we were waiting a long time for this cyclone to actually cross land and the time kept changing. But imagine the Israelite people waiting thousands and thousands of years for this expected Messiah, this expected Son of God. But God's plans never changed. Jesus came at just the right time. But the Israelites missed it. They were expecting a king to come in and sweep them and help them to rebuild Israel back to authority, sweep and protect them from the Roman Empire that was oppressing them at the time. People didn't expect the Messiah to be born in such a humble way. Jesus, fully God, fully human, so small and so vulnerable, was born to a young girl, a young teenager, probably around the age of 14, conceived out of wedlock and born in a stable. Now these prophecies we just looked at aren't the only prophecies that tell us about Jesus. 
There are so many more throughout the Old Testament. And all the signs and wonders surrounding Jesus' birth, all the prophecies about who Jesus is confirm that he is the one we've been looking for. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. But like I said, the Israelites missed it. So much time had passed. They knew the Messiah was coming, but I'm sure they got complacent. They didn't understand that this Messiah that was going to come with the scepter wasn't just for Israel, it was for the entire world. This kingdom wasn't just Israel, it was the kingdom designed for the whole entire world. And I'm sure they missed it because they had lost that expectation. And I imagine the people reading the words back there thinking, it didn't happen yesterday. Surely it's not going to happen today. Some scholars believe there are more than 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that point to Jesus. Now we have these words written down in the Bible and some of them are written down thousands of years before Jesus was actually born. Now these are not vague prophecies, these are not vague predictions. These prophecies are specific enough that is mathematically the probability of Jesus fulfilling all of them is so remote, so impossible, let alone just a handful of them. So basically it's impossible that a random person could come and fulfill even just one of these. And yet Jesus fulfilled them all. It's mind-blowing to go back and look what God said he was going to do and how God fulfilled that. So if we go to the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew is a Jew and he's writing to a Jewish audience. So he's telling us the genealogy of Jesus because for a Jew it was really important to know where you came from, who your family was and your family heritage. So Matthew starts the Christmas story right back from Abraham, the father of the Israelites, the father of the chosen people. And then he goes through to King David. And God again confirms his promise that the Messiah would come through King David's line. So let's have a look at this prophecy that was spoken through the prophet Nathan to King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, he says, For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who built a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his throne forever. Now King David wanted to build a temple for God, and yet God said to him, it's not going to be you, it's going to be one of your descendants. And he did that through Solomon, King David's son. And King Solomon built this temple and made the kingdom strong. But his royal throne didn't last forever. God was saying, you want to build this place for my presence to dwell, but I have a better plan. Eventually, I won't live in a place. I'm going to live in the hearts of my people. So Jesus' birth that very first Christmas fulfilled what God said through the prophet of Nathan. And even though Jesus was born a baby, he grew up. He was sinless. And through his death and resurrection, he established his forever throne. He conquered sin and death and made a way for us to know God and for us to live with God. Now Matthew finishes his genealogy with this in chapter 1 of verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So Mary and Joseph, both from the tribe of Judah, both from the line of David, and yet the teachers of the law couldn't conceive that these two could possibly be the parents of Jesus, the Messiah because they weren't expecting his entrance into the world this way. They missed it. They thought that Jesus would restore Israel's power and authority, and they didn't realize that the kingdom he was talking about was much bigger than Israel, and it included people from every single time, tribe, and nation all around the world. Yet Jesus, 
born to Mary, a teenager who was a nobody, who wasn't royalty, who had no power. So they missed it. Now, why would God choose this? Why would God choose such an insignificant entrance into the world he created? An entrance in the most vulnerable way. All-powerful God. God in a baby. Entrusted to a teenager. A baby that required his parents to, to give him all his needs. A baby that couldn't even hold his head up. Now, the responsibility of Mary knowing that she was a parent to this chosen one, the one that was prophesied from long ago. But she knew in her situation that God had promised, God is with us, Emmanuel. God was with Mary. And that promise still stands today that God is with us. It continues. It is for us as well. But what a scandal. God came into the world in circumstances that required him to trust the very people he created. Now, this was not the ruler they were expecting. This was not a forceful Messiah with a scepter they wanted. But as Jesus grew up, he showed us that his the power and authority that was talked about. As he started his ministry, he showed us who God is. And even the people then chose not to believe. They couldn't understand that Jesus could be born to such humble people in a humble town. So why would God choose this? Why would God come in the most vulnerable state? What they missed was going back to the prophecy of Isaiah, spoken hundreds of years before Jesus. And Matthew talks about this as he continues the Christmas story. Matthew says in chapter 1, verse 22, All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. This is Isaiah's words. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, even this prophetic word alone would have been enough to convince me that Jesus is what who he said he is. Because in human terms, we know it is impossible to for a virgin to give birth to a baby. But the Gospel of Luke tells us more about Mary's story and how God brought about his plans. The angel visiting her and the Holy Spirit bringing about that, that plan and bringing Jesus here. An impossible situation. But that's what I love about God, because he uses the impossible. Mary, a Jewish girl, would have known all about the prophecies that were spoken. And imagine as Jesus grew in her belly, that expectation and anticipation of what was to come. Jesus was here, and this is the one that all of creation was waiting for. For thousands of years, the one who God told us was coming. And it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary thought about all that God had done and all that God was doing. And I wonder if this Christmas we can have that same expectation as Mary. Anticipating Jesus. Expecting Jesus. Now this doesn't just stop at his birth. Because Jesus is working today. He's working in and through us through his power of the Holy Spirit. We can hear his quiet whisper. We can see him working in creation. We can feel him at work. We can see his light shining. Are you still anticipating Jesus? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to find him this Christmas? Now, as the Christmas story continues, we see the wise men, and they do just that. They do whatever it takes to find Jesus. So Matthew continues in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. 
Now they saw this star and they knew this was no ordinary star. This star was nice. It was different. It was unusual. And somehow they knew it pointed to a king. They were curious because this was big news. But they didn't stay in their curiosity. They got up and followed it. They wanted to find the source. This this light was so amazing. It was drawing them in. It was intriguing. So they traveled to find the king. Now, this is not an accident because Isaiah writes hundreds of years before and tells us about these events. He says in chapter 60, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness and black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will see your radiance. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy, for merchants from all around the world will come to you. They will bring you wealth of many lands. Vast caravans of camels will converge on you, the camels of Midian and Epah. The people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and will come worshipping the Lord. The light of Jesus was pointing away, and they did exactly what Isaiah wrote about. They came looking for Jesus. But not knowing the prophecies surrounding about where exactly he would be, he came to the most logical place, and that was to the palace in Jerusalem. They came to King Herod and said, where is this king? Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, King Herod was shocked by this news, because this news threatened his own power and authority. But he still wanted to know who this king was. So he called together the religious leaders and the teachers and asked, who is this, this Messiah that we're expecting? And Matthew says in chapter 2, verse 5, In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For our ruler will come from you, who will shepherd, be the shepherd for my people. So the wise men had got the wrong place. Bethlehem, a small insignificant town, was where they needed to go. This was taken from the words of Micah. These teachers of religious law, of the religious law were looking to the words of Micah, an Old Testament prophet, where he said in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant path, will come to you on my behalf. So going to the wrong place didn't stop these wise men. They didn't stop their search until they found him. The anticipation was building. They were so close. We can be like the wise men in the story this year. We can be curious about Jesus. Are you willing to do whatever it takes so you come face to face with him? Now Jesus wants us to find him. He wants to be found. It's our job to come to him because he's revealed himself to us. He's revealed himself to us in the form of baby and his light still shines. He is worth searching for, he is worth experiencing, and he's worth coming to see. Now I want to look at one more story of the Christmas story this morning. This is a man who wholeheartedly followed and trusted in God. And this man was named Simeon, a Jewish man who lived in expectation and anticipation of Jesus. A man who knew that God was going to bring about his promises and he was that were told through the prophets. Now it was cultural back then for Jewish parents to bring their babies, baby boys, to the temple eight days after they were born. And now in this eight-day ceremony, they were to dedicate this child to God and also to have him circumcised. So Mary and Joseph make this journey to Jerusalem and at the eighth day they're at the temple doing just that. 
And in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says, At the time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, I, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Now this man's faith was amazing. He was waiting for Jesus' birth. He was waiting in anticipation. And I wonder how many times he went to the temple waiting for Jesus. But regardless of how the Holy Spirit led Simeon that day, he was obedient to God's voice. Imagine if he questioned God and decided not to go. He would have missed holding Jesus, the Son of God, fully man, fully God, in his arms. Now, we celebrate Jesus every year. We celebrate Christmas every year. And it's easy for us to become complacent. It's easy for us to to maybe ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit and not expect Jesus to show up. Now, the temple that day that Simeon was there would have been so busy, people coming and going all day. And yet the Holy Spirit led Simeon to Jesus. And he was able to hold this baby in his arms. And this was Simeon's response. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Because I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people of Israel. So as we come to Christmas, come with that expectation that Jesus has fulfilled it. As we celebrate, can we truly say to God, I have seen your salvation. Now God has spoken through history, all through history, all through the Old Testament, telling us that Jesus is coming. And if we just look at the mathematical probability that Jesus has fulfilled all these events, it's impossible without God. God is in control. He fulfilled it. He showed us that Jesus is the one we are looking for. And there is one more promise he gives us. A promise that Jesus is coming back one day. And in the book of Revelation it says in chapter 22, 7, Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in the book. So as we remember Jesus' birth and all that was fulfilled, we can also come to that promise that Jesus is coming back again. Don't be complacent. We still live in expectation and anticipation. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? And as we celebrate Jesus, can we ponder all of these things in our heart like Mary did? As we're searching for Jesus, are we doing whatever it takes to find him just like the wise men? And are we coming to Christmas with the passion of Simeon, fully expecting Jesus this year? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you were born, that all of the prophecies were filled in your coming. And I pray that as we live in expectation today, that we can see your Holy Spirit still at work, that we can celebrate Christmas with that anticipation and expectation of what you're going to do in your most holy name.